Did you know that the word conspire means to breathe together? Conspire. Take a breath. Now blow it out. There, you have just launched a conspiracy, she wrote. You can hear the word spirit in there too. To conspire, to be filled with the same spirit, to be enlivened by the same wind. That's why the word appeals to me, anyhow, she wrote. What happens between us when we come together to worship God is that the Holy Spirit swoops in and out among us, knitting us together through the songs we sing, the prayers we pray, the breaths we breathe. It can happen with two people or 2,000 people. One of the things that we notice about the outpouring of God's grace on the day of Pentecost is that it was a very inclusive event, very public moment. The tongues of fire come to rest on each and every person who was gathered there that day. A moment later, the crowd outside are, are pressing in, surging forward because uh, Luke tells us, each one heard them speaking in the native tongue of each. I mean, languages just fascinate me. The native tongue of each. How important it is to hear things in our own native tongue. How moving it can be. How lovely it can be to learn somebody else's language so that you can communicate across otherwise cultural barriers. Our youngest daughter, Claire, is uh, living in Madrid for a, I don't know, year or two. She won't really say when she's coming back home, but she's over there. Unfortunately, she's pretty much fluent in Spanish, so it was super fun to go visit her over there and go around with her. And there's a little coffee shop near the apartment where she lives, and um, they know her when she comes in. And so the first, uh, the first couple of days, we went in there and got our stuff and sat and uh, the third day she wanted to sleep in and I, I was feeling brave so went out on my own, went down to that same coffee shop, the young guy there kind of recognized me and I, you know, I know a little bit of Spanish, very little bit, <laughs> but I was able to get out uh, cafe con leche grande, uno cafe con leche grande por favor. And he kind of grinned at me and, and then he said something back, which I didn't quite get so I just said no. Um, and then he smiled at me and pointed at the screen. What he was telling me was how much it cost. And I was telling him no. <laughs> you know? So, uh, you know, it's good to know somebody else's native language. It can make the world a smaller place. Uh, this also, the fact that all of these people, uh, Luke's making the case that just everybody from all of the different tribes and communities were present, and it makes this one of the most feared Sundays of the year to be the lector, so Grace handled that uh, lovely. Uh, it's not an easy one. Luke lists all of the nations of the Greco-Roman diaspora who were represented the, there that day, and what happened on Pentecost was no mystical, interpersonal experience, all right? It, 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 clearly, it was a 
and it was a bit of a freak out. It was very public. Uh, it was an outpouring of God's presence that touched everybody there that day. So I think it's worth noting, you know, if we want to consider Pentecost at some time referred to as the birthday of the church, a lot of biblical scholars kind of don't like that, but, you know, it's an important day anyway early on. Uh, so much of this Christian faith from the outset, from the beginning, is lived out in community, in public. Uh, there's a kind of trend in our day and time and place to speak of religious faith as being personal, you know. A few years ago, the same week that George Floyd was killed, Pastor Natalia and I shared a sermon that we just thought was poignant and beautiful and spoke to the moment uh, that had been written and preached by Pastor Barbara Brown Taylor. Um, in that sermon, uh, Brown Taylor asked, did you know that the word conspire means to breathe together? Conspire. Take a breath. Now blow it out. There, you have just launched a conspiracy, she wrote. You can hear the word spirit in there too. To conspire, to be filled with the same spirit, to be enlivened by the same wind. That's why the word appeals to me, anyhow, she wrote. What happens between us when we come together to worship God is that the Holy Spirit swoops in and out among us, knitting us together through the songs we sing, the prayers we pray, the breaths we breathe. It can happen with two people or 2,000 people. The Spirit touched everybody on Pentecost, and so everybody was changed by it that day. Even Peter who was saying the last time Jesus met with his friends, no matter who else, who else might head for the hills, Lord, uh, when things get rough for you, I will be right there behind you, Jesus. And when things did get tough for Jesus, Peter was behind him all right, right? He was way behind him. Like everybody else, except for a notable and fierce, faithful group of women followers, disciples, Peter ran away into the darkness as Jesus faced a mock trial and rejection and crucifixion. Weren't you with that group from Galilee? Somebody asked Peter out in the courtyard. And Peter couldn't deny Jesus fast enough. He simply could not find it in himself to admit that he even knew Jesus. But on the day of Pentecost... We see this morning that there's Peter out in front of everybody boldly preaching in public to the crowds gathered. It only lasted a short while, according to Luke, but several thousand people heard the gospel on that day and were given the gift of faith, the gift of belonging, the gift of peace in his name. The Holy Spirit, in other words, was given to a very ordinary and flawed person in Peter. Afraid to admit his connection to Jesus and made it possible for Peter to take his faith public. Now, you may not have been called to preach in public, but you do have a place in the community. 
You belong. You are gifted. You have a unique story to share. Whenever you speak with someone, you conspire. Whenever you listen, you are present. Wherever you are, there is the Holy Spirit. You should carry that with you. You might be talking to somebody who's struggling for one reason or another, and it's difficult to know sometimes what to say. We, we struggle for the right words. We're reminded today, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my Spirit, and they shall prophesy. Someone you know, someone you love maybe, struggles with an illness, what possible comfort can you offer some, someone like that? I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. This is the promise of Pentecost. Somebody who thinks that nobody cares and she feels like she has nowhere to turn, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. That's what Pentecost cost is about as much as it is about anybody speaking from a pulpit or a high place. It's the very public presence of regular people who find ourselves sharing with others because even though we don't always know how we're going to do it, the Holy Spirit descends and gives us power and presence. I may have shared this little story at one point at some point during the past decade. I'm not sure. I think I did once. But when I was in seminary, I did a, a section called CPE, Clinical Pastoral Education. It's part of the seminary process. And uh, I was uh, assigned to serve at that semester at um, Fairview Southdale Hospital. So the idea is we, we go around and visit people. Back in those days, you could even look in the books uh, where people sign in and so forth, where they're registered to the hospital. If they indicated a religious preference, if they said they were Lutheran, you could see that. And you could, you know, it felt like a little bit of advantage if I was going and cold calling a Lutheran in a hospital. I could say, you know, I'm studying to be a Lutheran pastor. At any rate, I always felt like half an imposter in the hospital, like I was sort of trespassing. I mean, I, my, here I have a name tag. It says Chad Brecky, Senior Pastor. Back then, the, my name tag said Chad Brecky, um, I think it was Student Intern or something like It's like a, wearing a badge that says, here comes a guy who doesn't know anything and probably shouldn't be here. That's how I felt anyway. Uh, but, you know, it's part of the process of, of developing a pastoral presence and identity, and, and you write up verbatims about your encounters with people, what, what they said, what you said, when, and then the group helps you kind of think about how you did and what you might have done differently. And as part of the <clears throat> process of, of uh, this uh, CPE experience, we were all, we all had to do uh, occasional overnights at the hospital. So you would, 
you would set up in a, in a regular hotel room. You'd sleep in a regular hotel bed. This was before cell phones, so I had a beeper on my hip. And uh, it would, if there were some emergency in the middle of the night, uh, then you would be called upon to respond. So there I was in my first overnight in the hospital there at Fairview Southdale. I was, I, was you know, I was having fun making the bed go up and down, and I was, finally fell asleep. I don't sleep very well in my own bed at home, so, you know, uh, I finally fell asleep. At 3 in the morning, my beeper starts buzzing and going off, and the phone next to the bed was ringing, and they were paging me overhead, you know, Chad Brecky, student, intern, you know, making sure the whole hospital knew. <laughs> uh, so I answered the phone. There had been... Uh, a gentleman who was in for an elective surgery the day before. He was just overnighting before he was to go home. And some complications in the night, and this man passed away. And I was to go to this waiting room where his family was going to arrive at the hospital prior to seeing him and dealing with this, this loss, this tragedy. And I remember getting on the elevator in the hospital and, and you know, pressing number three, to get to the floor I needed to go, and, and just murmuring to God and myself, you know, you better show up here, God, because I have no idea what I'm doing or what I will say or who I will be in that room when they arrive. And somehow in that little room, we, we, the, there were children and the wife arrived and, and we prayed together. And we, we were blessed by a sense of God's peace and presence. And I went in with the wife to see her husband. And the Holy Spirit showed up. Uh, it always does. In 30 years, I can say, God's never left me hanging out there, wherever I've been sent. Usually this time of the year, I'm getting ready to go to Tanzania to lead a group to visit our ministry partners there for over 20 plus years now. I decided to take a break from the trip this year. Uh, I always think about those people, though, at, at Pentecost in Tanzania. There are 120 different tribes. Each has its own distinct history, its distinct language. But the experience that all of us have had who have been blessed to visit that place is that when we gather for worship in the presence of the Spirit, though we do not know the languages, we feel God's presence, as Barbara Brown Taylor said, swooping in and out and weaving us together as God's own children in the prayers and the singing and the worship. Another thing I notice when I'm in Tanzania is that as we gather for big luncheons after worship, wherever the case might be, when we're welcome to a new location, that oftentimes we're with the bishop, uh, my, our good friend, and he's been here to preach, uh, presiding bishop of the ELCT, some seven million Lutherans throughout the country of Tanzania, uh, Dr. Frederick Show. Uh, whether he's there with us, as he often is, and other pastors, when it comes time to say grace before a meal that's set out before us, most of the time it's one of the uh, young people who's helping to serve the meal uh, uh, who just is, says, I, Tuambe, let's, let's pray. 
and begins the prayer. In other words, they don't default because the presiding bishop of the whole church is here, that this bishop or one of you foreign pastors who have traveled all this way should pray. They, it is so common for any of the people gathered to offer up that prayer. I always notice this and appreciate it. Each of us has God's Spirit. I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Well, uh, in a devotional entitled Nothing New, uh, UCC pastor, United Church of Christ pastor and professor, seminary professor, Mary Ludy wrote about what Jesus taught his followers after leading after, after Easter and leading up to Pentecost, after Jesus had been crucified and rose from the dead, how what he taught and told and preached and proclaimed his followers. And I want to close with uh, part of what she wrote about that because I think it's just so beautiful on this Pentecost Sunday. She writes, The risen Jesus could have addressed post-ascension practicalities. He could have equipped his followers with doctrines and vision statements and achievable goals for the early church. He could have imparted all kinds of goosebumpy new things, revelations and secrets from beyond the grave, right? But no. Here is Jesus, a new creation, fresh from God's morning, yet not a single new topic comes out of his mouth. He's still talking about what he talked about before the crucifixion, at the lake shore, on the mount, in the temple precincts, at Capernaum, on the road to everywhere. Jesus spoke to them of the kingdom of God of debts cleared by mercy, small things of infinite worth, mighty things reduced to dust, broken bread instead of broken bodies, tiny sparrows, counted hairs, banished demons, truth declared to tyrants, put away swords, found sheep, found coins, found children, a hidden way inside, a buried pearl, living water, branches, and vine. Even suffused with eternal light, one foot in heaven, it's all Jesus can think to tell them for 40 days and forever, the kingdom of God is at hand. For 40 days and forever, would that it were all we too could think to tell the world, the kingdom of God is at hand, and you belong. On this just gorgeous, uh, Pentecost Sunday, we are each of us reminded that we have, in fact, been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. Uh, in our baptisms, we were marked with the cross of Christ and sealed with the promised Holy Spirit forever. And so we take that Spirit now wherever we go, whatever we do, 
The Spirit goes with us, not just to bless us, but to be a blessing to others. We go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.